Each week we take a look at four recently released albums and give our take on whether you, the listener, should invest your precious COVID time into checking some of them out. This week we'll be providing commentary on new albums from 3-6, Logic, Elmichelle's Miesha, Miesha, and but before we start the show I need to introduce you to a man who gave Taylor Swift's folklore a controversial 2 out of 10 last week. Some may describe him as the Dennis Committee to my Bruce McAvaney, the Shaggy to my Scooby-Doo. The Ron Weasley to my Harry Potter. The Boris Yeltsin to my Mikhail Gorbachev. Can I say hello and welcome to my co-host, Eric Bloom. Eric, it's at five already. They said we'd never make it. They said we would never make it. Waza, it's great to see you. Um, How's your week been? You've, You've been well? Oh man, I woke up last Sunday with a cold and so I did my civic duty and I went down and got a COVID test on Monday and then I sat at home all week and I was a bit shit. But today's been awesome. I went for an hour's walk. I um, I found my Sennheiser headphones that I thought I'd lost. I, I did what you suggested I should do last week and I had a, I had a spa to get warmed up for the episode. As you- as you should. As you, I did. The, I did as well. Actually, that's actually why I was late. Right, and then I, I had some. And then I had some Thai takeaway from Carnegie's best Paradise Thai, who are not the unofficial sponsors this week. But mm, just going to give them a careful. shout out. They make wicked mushroom beef curry and a good lap guy. So I'm pretty good tonight. How about you, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's been a, I guess, just another week. It, you know, week one in uh, in the six week lockdown. Um, I think I'm just sort of, you know, developing good habits and bad habits all at the same time in tandem. Yeah. So this week was a little bit of running, uh, a little bit of boxing, which was great. Um, And that was the good habits. In terms of the bad habits, um, I had multiple hamburgers this week. I had (laughs) like multiple multiple double dinners. Excellent. Um, Breakfast, lunch and dinner, it's all just mushed into one and I just kind of eat when I want. I sleep when I want. It's all it's all sounds pretty like wild. It sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's like a I feel like I'm in some kind of weird like fourth dimension portal of sorts and there's no one to kind of keep an eye on me. <laughs> I got I get the feeling we're going to talk about trans dimensions tonight. I think that's going to be something we 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 get to. I think so. I think so. Now, should we uh should we get into the uh the Instagram like of the week? Do you want to do you want to set me up for it? Yeah, let's set it up. So, for those tuning in for the first time, uh, myself and Waza have more or less hit peak baby boomer vibes, and we shout out an Instagram follower or an Instagram page that we have liked this week. So, rather than sort of celebrating people liking our page, we like to celebrate when we like other people's pages. And and we make a big deal of it in, when we get really excited. Right now, we've got about twenty five followers following our page, and we follow three three pages. And yeah. and this week, we're going to follow our fourth page, and we like to make a big splash about that. So without uh, holding it up ho- anymore and keeping the audience in great tension, I'm going to throw to you, was to reveal who we like this week. Okay, well, it's a highly prestigious thing going the fourth like this week so i'm gonna give you a couple of clues 
and let's see if you can guess it this week because the last few weeks you've been abysmal. So let's let's start. Okay, so this week I've gone. I need for you someone. to go slow this time. I need you to go slow so I can really mull over your clues. Okay, okay. this week I've gone Thank for you. someone with a bit more of an international presence, Eric. Okay. I was thinking that our brand should really start considering broadening its place in the global spectrum and pick someone mm-hmm. who's known across the world. Okay. It also it also had to be someone we could rely on to help us out in a tight squeeze or a sticky situation. So when I say sticky situation, I'm not talking about when you got pulled over the cop pulled over by the cops for hand surfing. I'm talking more say if we were negotiating some sort of hostage crisis in like some war-torn Middle East country. Like mm-hmm. and our backup didn't turn out turn up to help us out. Like this would be the guy that we would call to get us out of this sticky situation. Okay, what do you think? Look, I, I've got. A, are, you, are you thinking like like a clutch kind of a guy? Oh, he's he's clutch. Okay, I think I know where we're going, but continue. You, you want to have a stab? No. Look, I I know I'm going to go for one more clue, and then uh, then I'll give it a crack. Okay, so secondly. This person, this person is just as comfortable looking after babies as he is cruising around the streets in a Ferrari. In fact, so famous is he for driving one that Ferrari actually named the 308 GTS model after him. Okay. Uh, looking after babies. Oh, yes, I think I know who this is. I think I, I know who, who this is. Can I ask you for a clue? Well, I might just give or the last I, clue. Uh, you you, you okay. can go. Go. You go. Okay. Does he have one of the great moustaches seen since 1983? Some would call it generational defining moustache. I think I know who this is. I this, I'm going to take a stab at it right now because there's only one person that drives a Ferrari and looks after babies. In fact, he might have been one of three men and a baby. Am I right, was that? <laughs> I think you might have it. Ladies and gentlemen, our fourth inaugural Instagram person that we like is Tom Selleck. Congratulations. And can we welcome to the Instagram like page... Small screen legend, Tom Selleck. We are liking you. All music is good. Instagram will We like, like you, tick. Tom Selleck. Well thank done, you, was dude. It? Uh, thank you. I've, I've been practicing. I've been practicing. I had, <laughs> I had someone totally different on the first one, but uh, on the first clue, but, um, but the Ferrari bit gave it away. So Mate, thank you. You had your Encyclopedia Britannica out this week and you were researching. I, could, I can feel that. Um, well... We'll reach out to Tom, obviously, this week and, you know, we'll, we'll let him know we'll, the good news. And uh, We'll reach out to his people, yep. Um, well, I feel a bit flat now. I'm going to have to make it a bit harder next week. Uh, maybe I'll throw it over to you to introduce our first guest and only guest, esteemed guest for tonight. Eric, take it away, man. Thanks, Was. So each week on the All Music Is Good podcast, we bring in a very special guest, an esteemed musician in their own right, and uh, and someone that we you know love dearly and and really can't wait to chat with. So this week we are honoured to have with us the one and only I Yamamoto. I, how are you going? Good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very grateful to be part of. So for those that aren't familiar with Ai's work, Ai is an incredible uh, electronic music artist, composer, 
and a person that creates sonic landscapes and stunning universes and portals into, you know, heavenly waters better than anyone I've I know locally. So I it is an absolute honor to have you here and we're so so happy to talk music. What's been happening with you the last few weeks? Last few weeks um very quiet quiet lifestyle. Just get up, uh have a breakfast and you know be with children for homeschooling and yep. you know lunch, walk, dinner <laughs> and that kind of So that that sort of suggests to me that outside of COVID, that if that's the quiet lifestyle, what's the not-so-quiet lifestyle? The oh, non-COVID lifestyle. You know, I might go to mountain walk, yeah. meet people, go might, you know, might see some performance and stuff. But I'm for sure, for sure. very scared of getting one, so I make sure <laughs> I stay home. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. Um, have you had a chance to make some music? Do you have the kind of time and space to create at the moment or is it all hands-on with the homeschooling and stuff? Well, I submitted um, 35 minutes work to this label, past present, inter- past, present, inside label in America. Okay. It's supposed to be released in July. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy... Zake, he listened to it. He goes, oh, let's press for vinyl release. Wow, okay. So, the release dates got postponed. Yeah. So, that's one of the work I kind of, you know, doing the final edit, final production for mixing properly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, then, um, whenever I'm around i walk around the free recording recorder so i just record everything and yeah, I, cool. I want to up, upgrade my fruity loops program and <laughs> then do the st- you're showing your age new project for sure well look i mean you know i think avici made all of his hits on fruity loops so you're in good company you might end up owning a private jet with with fruity loops you know yeah, i think fruity loops Buddy. You know, everyone have a memory with Fluty Loops, right? Yeah. And I think it's brilliant program. Mm. Yeah, totally. I um I made some of the most obnoxious psytrance around in the t- at the turn of the century. About between ninety nine and two thousand one, I uh, I had Fruity Loops and I was making some pretty on the nose psytrance, oh, and uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I can I can tell you that um it was it was an exciting time. I loved using Fruity Loops. I, I'm actually interested. I you know you were talking about field recordings the other night. I walked out my front door at about twelve forty eight a.m. exactly, and this was after obviously we've got a curfew in in Melbourne yeah. at the moment, and I, I walked out my front door and I've never felt that level of silence Ooh. as I yeah. did. At twelve forty-eight on a, I think it was Wednesday night. I'm curious: Are you? Is, is any of your work sort of interested in the kind of silence that COVID is creating, the kind of quiet sounds rather than the the loud sounds, especially in like a cityscape sort of environment? Well, it's. I think I record everything at the moment. What I want to do is, I want to do from morning sounds, 
lunch sounds in evening、mm. sounds. So quiet sounds would be around evening time with fire sounds.、Um, I recorded some、yeah. insect sounds as well back in April. So that's kind of quiet ambient、yeah. sounds. But I want to actually do the sound library or sound diary. It's kind of just mapped、yeah, where、cool. I am at the moment. And what do you do with、yeah. those when you have the diary? Do you,、uh, would you just keep them and just use them in future projects? Well, this is the project I'm going to work for next.、Um, I got funding from the Arabian Council to do this project. So it will be. I, I stick with all the fee recording, not using other, instru- I mean other sounds,、yes. like native instrument. And I want to use this sample alive, musical enough for people to enjoy. So that will be my next challenge.、Oh, can, firstly, can I just say that、mm. it's such a pleasure to have you on the show this week. And like when Ari told me that you were coming on as a guest, like I really did a deep dive into a lot of your music. And so I ended up listening to Euphonious and walking into Preston and going home. And I really, really enjoyed them. So, firstly, massive congratulations、oh, on those releases. They, they were beautiful.、Um, for me, I was just wondering if you could tell me a bit about like, the making of the records, like what inspires you to make music, like, particularly ambient instrumental music, and maybe also a bit about your workflow and how you physically make it.、Um, well, every music has a s- slightly different. Thing for me, like going home is my memory. is Like I've been here for 20 years, and going back to where I'm come from and look、yes. at what I've achieved, what I experience. So, memory is of, and I use the sample from Japan, for instance. So, and also sounds from Australia. So, back and forth, that's kind of mapping my life. And walking the Preston is like I'm walking always in Preston and listening and changing the sounds, and that's actually mapping another Preston lifestyle in that sense. So, when, sorry, and when you record, are you recording?、Um, you mentioned that you're recording field sounds, but、um, is a lot of this music that was obviously on Euphonious and Depression, is that created in the studio or? Yeah, a、uh, lot of them. I had a recording and I manipulate, manipulate enough to、yes. become abstract texture. Use a lot of fruity loops. And <laughs> Avicenne's program, the native、yep. instrument, you can actually、mm-hmm. drag your sample and turn your sounds. And then they have all different effects to change it. Yeah, yeah, you can loop it or you can reverse it or you can yeah, flip it or you can just grab、mm. a, a piece of it and loop that or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But recent work, I kind of did the professional development program at the Electric Dream. And oh, yeah. That's like, a, that's like a composition house in,、uh, in um, I guess it used to be in South Melbourne. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. Yeah.、Um, And Cornell and then Pascal, I watched them how, to, how they actually compose and produce and craft all their production.、Mm. And I learned how to use native instrument from that. And then I、yeah. combined that new technique 
to a new a new technique in my old world. Oh, does that so found, cool. have you have you found that's made you more prolific what since you've started using that? Yeah, it make it it made I think it just made me I think it just it become easier to finish and put more sounds and manipulate and then yeah, yeah. I have a much more control with that yeah, yeah. program. And that's the great thing about technology these days. It works for you as a musician. Like mm. it's a lot more intuitive I find than what it used to be, especially with electronic music. Mm. And I think if you can talk about the whole technique of program, so much depth you can do. I probably it's know true. 20%. <laughs> you know, the amazing thing about uh, talking about like computer software is, you know, it's like um, Dungeons and Dragons or like gamers, like mm. people like people like ourselves. We, we, uh, we, we often, we often find ourselves in three to four hour long deep conversations around the most minuscule parts of a, a particular software and then mm. when you try and kind of have that conversation with someone that doesn't do that, yeah. it, it could not be more uh, <laughs> monotonous for them. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've found that, I've found that um, so many times where I've uh, tried so desperately to kind of convey this. I'm oh, you've got, you got to check this out. I've got this amazing new thing and it, and it does this and it does that. And I'm saying it to someone that doesn't have too much of an interest and they look at me like... Uh, like I'm some sort of kind of uh, you know online gaming expert. It's kind of the same, the same realm. <laughs> do you do you find that? I do. You, do you have people like you try to talk to about these kinds of things, and they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, yeah, cool, plugins, cool. Well, I'm the one. I don't know many side. Okay. And then, actually, if it gets too complicated, then I might feel I'm not sure I understand. I'm not following well enough other, you know. Yeah, yeah. But however, music world, someone like you, there's a lot of gear. <laughs> yeah. Know, diving it's into technology as well. It's pretty nerdy, isn't it? Yeah, but it's amazing. <laughs> I went to, you know, down west. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. him today, actually. Yeah, like um, we did some kind of improvisation, like a quick improv, and he said yes, that. So he's got a new project as well, hasn't he? He's got a new project, electro project that he's doing at the moment. Mm-mm, he does, I think, yeah. And how the depth he understands the software, how things work, it's just so deep, and which I don't have. So in some ways, it's very inspiring. Absolutely, you've, absolutely. You've got to make it work for you, though. Like, if it's if it's not something, something that you can sort of... Um, bring up and make it work for you within a minute or two then it's defeats the purpose because you can just do it yourself i find um so if it's not if it's not working um then you need to go back to methods that you know um anyway we um we are absolutely honored to have you on tonight so thank you for joining us um i think we're going to move into some album reviews and let's have a chat about some music So the first album we have for you this week is by Miesha and the album is called Naringu. Arik, what do you think of it? Well, where to start? I guess I might um, talk a little bit about this artist, then we'll dive right into the album. So 
taken off uh, off her website a strong proud Pitajan Taja Pitajan Chajatara and Torres Strait Island woman Maisha, pronounced Maisha, has been singing for her family and her community since the age of eight and has since been developing her songwriting as a teenager. Now stepping onto a bigger stage, Maisha is sharing her music with the world. Inspired by the sounds of R&B, gospel and soul and the power of spoken word poetry, Maisha's music seeks to bring people together to help educate and inspire. As a side, um, if you're tuning in from overseas, tomorrow night we've actually got a, an amazing awards ceremony that takes place every year. It's called the NEMAs, uh, which is the National Indigenous Music Awards. And Maisha has actually been nominated for Album of the Year, New Talent of the Year and Film Clip of the Year. So she is, mm. from what I understand, leading the nominations. So I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from this artist. The album that we are reviewing this week, I'm just double checking the title of it because Naringu. I just want to... I just want to get it right here. Uh, what was that? Was uh, no, Naringu? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, Nayaringu. And uh, it's her debut album. She's put out a few singles prior. And, uh, and we're going to deep dive into it. So, Waza, do you want to start off and tell us what you thought? Yeah, sure. So, I really had no idea what to expect with this album. And, and track one... Gave no clues as to what was to come, but like for me, a couple of songs in, it was clear that this was a straight up modern R and B album. And once Absolutely. I realised that, I was totally in. Um, I really like this album. So, but before I start the review, like I think I'd just like to say a couple of things that don't speak directly to the album itself. Go for it. Firstly, how good is it to listen to a locally made and produced Indigenous R and B record? Um, Absolutely. And maybe more importantly, how good is it? that it's being partially sung in First Nation language. It is unbelievable. I, I would imagine uh, without uh, knowing the genre completely inside out, this might well be the first uh, R&B music that has been sung in language and it's a pretty remarkable moment, I think, in music. What about you, Ivy? Yeah, I had a listen. Yeah, I loved it. Um, it's really gentle and... It's kind of you. You might say R and B, but I've kind of the tones or palette make me reminds me of Porter's Head, Easy Listening, mm. with some kind of beautiful kind of flow of the singing. Absolutely, yeah. I definitely got a bit of that trip hop kind of tip there as well. Hmm. Um, was a give us a give us your di- your download. Oh man, like uh, look. I mean, this this is first and foremost a a music podcast and far better for me to open up a can of worms that could fill up this entire podcast and probably many more podcasts on this subject matter but like as a lover of music first and foremost like i think we as a nation should be really proud and championing albums like this like it's a it's a celebrate it's a celebration of black culture musically and lyrically um absolutely if nothing else albums like this talk to a demographic of the population i think that are impressionable enough to be influenced by this record. And yes. what I mean by that is that hearing Indigenous language in top 40 style music should just be a completely normal thing, not an exception. So the more that it happens, the more it provokes conversations and the more that it breaks down barriers and instigates change. So like kudos to Miesha and her team for this album. Um, but the second thing I would say is that it's really funny how quickly we move on from dickheads. What do you mean? I'd completely forgotten about Tony Abbott. 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, when he came on, I'm just like, oh my god! Like, uh, it. I look. At, I think it says a lot about the world we live in when someone like Donald Trump mm-hmm. has taken like Tony Abbott's subtle form of um, promoting fear and driving division and turned it into this evil art form. Mm. Yep. Anyway, Absolutely. like I've gone way off track. Um, but no, like, I mean, I mean we're, we're here for it, man. You just keep on going. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll, no. I'll talk about the album because, like, it's it deserves to be talked about. So I, I thought that first um, track, "Black Privilege," was very TLC sounding. Oh, I wrote the exact same notes. I can't wait to talk about it. Go on. And so, like, for me, it was a, it was like you know had that down tempo, late R and B, you know, late Absolutely. night R and B vibe, um, with but with some heavy lyrical content. Um, I'm going to give some constructive criticism because you know how yeah. much I like to do that. Yeah, that's Waz's, that's Waz's jam. Absolutely uh, unfiltered, unfiltered constructive criticism. He's sharing his thoughts with the world on everything. Go for it, Was. You say it like it's a bad thing, but like I only say it. I generally only give constructive criticism when I really like something and I really like this. But do it. Do it. What I want to say is that like not, obviously not all of us have a spare 50k or label support to throw at an album. Yeah. Um, yep. But this one album, this album felt like it could have done with a bit of US style or UK style mixing, um, more width, yep. more depth, more verb on the beat tracks, you know, just, just some more sparkle and shine. Um, sure. Because like when you're pitching your product in this marketplace, that's what you're up against. Um, and again, I'm only saying this because I think this is really strong product and it does like, it deserves to be able to be, um, it deserved to be able to compete on a on a level playing field. So throwing I dollars agree. in the right engineer at this would have got this album into that playing field. I feel, um, but I love this album. I loved it a lot, and I thought it was an important album. Um, and I might throw it over to Arik or I to talk a bit more about it. Well, I, I might pick up the uh, pick up the ball and uh, and run on one of the comments that you made about the song. Yeah, it was called Black Privilege. I believe it was song two. Yes, song two. The record. Um, easily stand out for me. My notes were TLC, R&B vibes straight away. And the thing that I loved about it, which I just thought was just so subversively genius, was the juxtaposition of this highly political content with this totally inviting sound that kind mm. of makes the listener really comfortable sonically. And I, 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 I feel that that's just an incredibly clever way to get a really important message out to a mainstream market. So often, um, you know, political music hits hard and, and the kind of the average listener is either like, oh, no, I don't like politics or, oh, I like political content. Um, but sometimes artists hit this perfect sweet spot of, of creating a song that is just palpable and accessible enough for you know a, f- a 15 year old kid who may never have engaged in these ideas to go i fucking love this song and then keep on sitting with it and sitting with it and sitting with it until they really start to soak the lyrics in so yeah. power to Maisha. i thought that that track black 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 privilege was uh was a real standout um uh, my other my other kind of notable moments in the record was um, Broken Tongue and Broken Tongue Interlude, which mm-hmm. was the first time, I believe, in the album that, yeah, um, Maisha starts to sing in language. Mm-hmm. It had yep. this beautiful, it was a beautiful song to start with. It was. Uh, put, uh, like, uh, putting the... Um, putting the amazing gift of, 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 uh, of sharing her language with us, beyond all of that, it just the song was brilliant. It had, the production was killer. It had an amazing like Solange vibe, and I was just right into it straight away. Um, then 
uh, th- those were probably my two favourite. Then there was this uh, another kind of, I guess, uh, song of note, if you're kind of checking out the record for the first time, was a song called Hold Strong. Yeah. I felt this is where Maisha really started to flex her vocal ability. She had, she's got this real big FKA Twigs vibe on that, that kind of squeezed intensity where she's breathing through the notes, which I absolutely loved. And then finally, and, you know, I think it was just, it was a perfect moment, especially given that we review albums, that uh, Maisha finished with a song called Outro, uh, which just felt like such a perfect way to finish the album. It, I, I'm not sure who the, the older woman who narrates through the record is. Perhaps it's her mother or an auntie. It's her grandma. Um, it, sorry, what's that was? It's her grandma. Yeah, it's her grandma. Um, she basically just wishes her granddaughter well and, 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 and gives her this beautiful blessing to go out and, and just be the best that she can be. And it's incredibly touching and it really sort of puts this beautiful full stop to the album. So for me, I was incredibly moved. Um, I, I thought, you know, like it kicked off like straight out of the blocks brilliantly. We had, there was a bit of a lull sort of in the sort of late, latter parts of the track and then it kind of picked up again. And, uh, and I think for a debut album, for, 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 for an artist making their first record, it is uh, absolutely remarkable. What did you think, hey, I? I, I? But just before you start, I, um, you just should know that Arik always likes the last track on every album we review, no matter this what is it true. is. He this just is loves true. It. This is true. That's I, his I, thing. It's a bit of an addiction of mine. One of my many vices. Yeah. Are you talking about the track 11? Uh, let's have a look. It was whatever the last track. Uh, track thirteen, actually. Thirteen. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think you know she, she tell you her stories and communities, and I can feel she's moving forward with her hopes and strengths. Yeah. Um, there are some melancholic and hopeful at the same time, which is from her experience. And then, as you said, you know, like some music can be very sexual things or totally entertaining angle is expected. However, her personal story are much more powerful in that sense. Yeah. And I love that track 11 called Self-Care. I think that could be grandma as well. Yeah, I think it is. I think her yeah. grandma is is yeah appears throughout the whole album. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's I like the bits and pieces, you know, the wisdom and her value come in as well, and feels quite sincere in the music. Yeah, for sure. Mm. What were your favorite tracks? Yeah. So that that track, any others? I like the first one. I, I need Black to privilege, is it? And also. Uh, sorry, Black Privilege as well. Yes. I like that. Yeah, Tempo great song. Great and song. And melody, gentle line. Well, um, each week Waza, Waza loves to talk about tempos, so that maybe that's a nice little segue to talk tempos, Was What did you think of the tempos? <laughs> I haven't made any notes for tempos on this album, so subliminally they were obviously okay. Um, <laughs> like my favourite tracks were like you, uh, Broken Tongue. I thought the, the mixed language in Broken Tongue was like a real highlight. Um, Holding Strong, as you mentioned also, Arik. Uh, but I really like Drowning as well. So there was a group of three songs in there 
that I really liked. And there was there was a current what number song it was, but there was a song a bit later in the album and it felt like it was just a really run of the mill track and it was just meandering along and then it got to the chorus mm. and they put some chord changes in there which were really interesting and like I just thought oh like they've really thought about this album and when they've made it and you know they've they haven't taken the easy road and they've yeah. put some things in that made it interesting so <laughs> full 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 credit to them for this album I think it's really strong I think we should rate it um but before we rate it, Arik, you need to um, you need to lead us into um, our scoring system for the week with the unofficial sponsor. Oh, you not you don't know what's going on here, but just just go with it, okay? <laughs> okay, so each week, all music is good. Shouts out the unofficial podcast sponsor for this for the particular week's episode, and uh, and what we do is we like to kind of you know basically celebrate some of the you know local businesses that might not get the same level mm. of shine as uh as as businesses that you know have uh the ability to kind of access free to air tv instead what we do is we like to kind of think of ourselves as a sort of the community television station of <laughs> uh of of melbourne the 3am community television uh, tv station uh slot so without uh Without bagging on too much, I am honoured to introduce this week's podcast sponsor, Al Nakhil Tejina. So Al Nakhil Tejina Company, it's a Tejina and Halawa industry, was established in 1991. It started as a small factory with a maximum production of 800 kilograms of Tejina and 200 kilograms of Halawa per day. Since day one, they have chosen to focus on the export section. Their first foreign market was in the US, and after years of hard work, the factory is now able to produce over 5,000 kilograms of tahina and 1,200 kilograms of halawa every day in an, in an area of 7,600 square meters. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. So, in fact, it's actually a Lebanese company, and they are... They are manufactured and well, the import company of this uh, Tahina manufacturer is MB Foods, Proprietary Limited, 7 Stroke 79, Mafra Street, Coolaroo, Victoria, Australia. And the, yeah, so thank you so much, Al Nakhil, Tahina. Thank you, you Al Nakhil. Now, firstly, Arik, um, is Tahina Tahini? Okay, so this is a, this is a, I've actually never got an actual verdict on this, but the the product that I'm holding in front of me is called Takina, and uh, and that's certainly how it's pronounced over in the Middle East. But here in uh, in Australia, people call it tahini. Now, uh, there's a particular reason I wanted to shout out this product today, and that's exactly I think you've raised a really great point. So. In COVID, uh, you know, everyone's kind of picking up their own little hobbies. And today I decided to throw my hat mm. in the ring to make my own homemade hummus. Mm. And uh, in, in picking up all of the rest, in picking up all of the, uh, the items for, for the recipe, one of the things that was remaining on my list was uh, tahina. And I thought I could go to the, uh, to the supermarket or to the hipster grocery store down the road and get some tahini. And I thought, you know what? That's just absolute rubbish. I mean, let's let's get real here. We are making we are making hummus 
hummus that you can eat with a spoon, not not to dip crackers in. We are making the real deal. And I was like, there's only one place to go for that. And that was A1 Bakery on oh. Sydney Road, Brunswick. So here it is, uh, the Al Nakil Tejina, this week's podcast sponsor. So perhaps we can think about the uh, the type of rating system that we're going to go with. I would probably suggest dollops. Okay. Well, you, what about you? chickpea content? Ooh, chickpea content. Well, actually, was a uh, tahina is a sesame. Um, oh, it's actually ooh. a sesame type paste. I think it's, I'll stay uh, out the of this The chickpea is actually the hummus. So you just be careful there. I, I, well, we, we, yeah. I should say well, I'll step back from the microphone. Yeah, yeah, you step back. Because what we're talking about is we're talking about dollops today. And basically, this tahina is going into the hummus. And and it, when we rate the, our albums, we're basically going to rate it like how many spoonfuls of tahina out of 10 into your new homemade hummus. Are we cool with that, guys? We're cool. Well, I might start it off then, should I? Go for it. Go for it. I... What's the company called again, Eric? <laughs> it's called Al Nakhil. Okay, on the Al Nakhil unofficial rating scale of dollops uh, out of ten, I'm yes. going to give Miyash's Ringu uh, seven dollops out of ten. Seven dollops of tahina out of a ten possible dollops of tahina that you're going to be putting into your homemade hummus. I love that. That's a lot Thanks, of words. What about you? What about you, I? Okay, I will try to pronounce properly. Um, how do you say Al Al Nahila? Al Al Nakhil. Al Nakhil. That's it. You got it. Um. So I used a spoon of. Yeah, I think seven too. Hey. All right. Okay, so we've got a consistent. This is a good. This is going to be a good hummus, not overdone. <laughs> so seven from was and seven from I. I am also, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna agree with you guys. I'm also gonna give it a seven. I think, I think that there was songs on the on the album that were just absolutely just knock out. Um, yep. For a first a first go in relation to a debut record, a seven out of ten. It's a pretty ridiculously good score, um, given, you know, I mean, look at some of the other albums that we've scored. We, I think we scored, um, you know, what are we, Liana Harvest was like yeah, a I think seven, it was seven as well. Or eight, so or nine. she's yep. holding pretty good company here. Yep. Um, yeah. My Nisha, a seven out of 10 from me. So seven spoonfuls of tahina into the homemade hummus, which is a combined 21. Out of a possible thirty dollops. Uh, tw- yeah, twenty-one out of thirty dollops. Which, to be honest, in terms of texture, I wouldn't go any. I wouldn't want to put any more tahina in, <laughs> no, in no. my hummus. Might be too sloppy. It would be way. It'd be. It'd be too. You know, it'd be like too. Yeah, you're getting gritty, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, exactly. twenty. Well, well, we might need to take that into account as we go on. Maybe we'll have to adjust our rating scale to think <laughs> that twenty-one true. might be. You're best. right. You're right. You're right. I <laughs> know. Uh, like ten, ten dollops of tahina would. <laughs> would suck, basically. I don't know. I'm confused. Anyway, let's move on to the next album. So, we, <laughs> congratulations to Miesha for a wonderful album, and uh, uh, that was Miesha's uh, Naringu album. Mm-hmm. 
So our next album for the week that we will be reviewing on the All Music Is Good podcast is Wave Variations by the artist 3-6. So a little bit about this artist. I had to actually uh, dig pretty deep to find this information. I'd never heard of 3-6, but I'm glad I know of them now. So 3-6 is the alias of UK producer Dennis Huddleston, who has been a prolific and leading figure in the modern ambient scene. He's released his music on labels as diverse as Ultima Records, Mystic and Quantum, Ikesa, and Strangely Isolated Place. He also runs his own label, 3-6 Recordings. The core of the 3-6 sound is a combination of warm melodies and widescreen atmospheres that is never shy from the abstract, but one that remains highly accessible. And the album that we are reviewing by 3-6 this week is Wave Variations. I might throw to you, I, to basically uh, lead this uh, lead this review. In fact, it was your recommendation that we listen to this, and uh, and I can't thank you enough for that. So, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off with your take on this album? Okay. Um, well, I pick. I love ambient music, and you know, but ambient music. Its melody line is often quite subtle and abstract, mm. and sometimes, even though you listen to so many ambient music, you might not recognize so much because can be quite mm. similar. Yeah. However, when I heard it thirty three six, it was perfect. It was beautiful loops, and it's simple. And when you use loops. Sometimes it gets boring. Mm, yep. It's the danger. For sure. But he used loops perfectly. Mm. And it can go infinity. Mm. However, he actually limit a, if every track up to three to five. It doesn't go too yep. long. Yeah, right. He, yeah, so at first I thought, oh, why, you know, only three minutes and finish. I want this one to go for a long time. However... He intentionally put map, you know, put the tracks up to f- five max. Yeah, right. And you know, I love the music, kind of floating, writing, and this music covers so many space yes. and reverb, yes. and they're not bad reverb as well, and a lot of mid mid sounds. Mm-hmm. Like uh, music, they often middle, but they have a, a high pitch and low pitch. But I found this music; yeah. it's consistent of mid frequencies or mid pitch. Yeah, but which is really where the where you, where you feel it in your body, right? Yeah. And, and and feel it in your in your heart. Yeah, and I thought it just sync in body quite well for me. So Do you think that was because of the synths that he used as well? Because there was a lot of loops and synth loops he used and that sort of is in that mid-range frequency mm. too, I think. I think that probably had something to do with it. Yeah, so I thought that's my discovery for 2020 and I actually liked it. So did you know much about 3.6 um, before this album? No, I'd never heard of this person before. Um because I'm on the update from the label, past, present, yes. inside, um, this turned up and I was like, oh, I'll just have a listen and clicked and I fell in love 
listening to it. Yeah. Hmm. Alright. Yeah, what's your opinions? Okay, well, thanks, Was, and thank you, I, for uh, for introducing us to this. It's it's so cool. Um, each week when we we bring out bring in a guest reviewer, uh, both my I can I guess I'll speak for myself, but so often I've got like a particular kind of type of music that I look to listen to, mm. and then and the guest reviewer so often just hits hits us with a record that was completely like something that i hadn't heard of hadn't seen mm. so i'm uh, i'm 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 just uh i'm just thrilled to uh have discovered this via your recommendation so thank you for putting us onto this for me i loved this album um i listened to it about 5 times actually this week i uh, which i rarely do i usually just give things one listen to kind of just give it this fresh sort of take for the podcast but once i heard this it became my album for the entire week um wow i it gave me like a kind of cruder and dorfmeister kind of a feel um which is that sort of big beat vibe of the uh i guess the late 90s early 2000s and uh and it just to be honest it like you know i don't know was do you remember what you know you You'd go to like a big sort of techno party, like an Earthcore or whatever, mm. and then you'd, there'd be like the chill stage, yeah. and then you know there'd be like somewhere to kind of sit and just completely sort of unwind and have a chai. find your br- find your brain again, yeah. you know, on like at about five a.m. Yeah, you know, without in the morning, the, yeah, without, um, without the and, beats. and like you know, eat chubba chups and and have <laughs> deep and meaningfuls with strangers. I, I that, remember it. This was the record for that part <laughs> of, you know, that party. Uh, I, I felt it was like the ultimate come down record, you know. Um, it just felt to me like I was like, like from beginning to end, it was saying, it's cool. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. everything's going to be fine, man. Yeah. And um and and to be honest, I I really struggled in the best way possible to even pinpoint a song yeah. that was like get into this on this song. I would say the only way to get into this is to turn it on at the beginning and finish it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't actually, I can't uh, sort of um, honestly say what a standout track is because I literally felt that this album is made as a set of music mm-hmm. rather than a collection of tracks did mm-hmm. you find that i yeah yeah it's like a flaws as well yeah and it's like a journey and then i yeah, close totally. my eye and just let you know this music flow i guess the other big question really is have you ever had to sit in a tent at five in the morning and speak to a stranger whilst um you know uh having too many lollipops <laughs> Whilst listening to downbeat music, is this something that's been on your uh, kind of lived experience yeah, yeah, radar? I guess so. I used to hang out around the ambient area all the <laughs> okay. time. That was yeah. your yeah. <laughs> right? So you, so we'd never, we'd never see you front left speaker just like <laughs> charging. You, 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 so you might have been that person that I was chatting to all those years ago. Maybe, and I saw, I met your brain there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you helped me find my brain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. What about you, Was? Oh, look, um, look. The first question I found myself asking, um, when listening to this album was like, am I actually qualified enough to speak about modern ambient music in a way that's not going to sound really dismissive if I don't like it? 
um, like like you are. I reckon maybe I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, but like I'm a product of the '90s rave scene in Melbourne, and um, you know, and then I went on to uh, join a down tempo electronic group called Thylacine in the early 2000s. And oh my like, god, I, I used to be all over um, ambient shows like The Quiet Space on Radio National and. I think there was a show on Triple R on Tuesday nights called The Quiet Something. I can't remember, um, but it was all quiet, you know, field recordings, ambient music. And, you know, I was really into it. Um, so am I qualified? Well, yes, I think it's been a while since I visited this place, but I think I have enough background to listen to and to understand what it is that I'm listening to. Um so I made that qualifying statement, and I probably uh, didn't. Yeah, need, I think I didn't I think need we to can make both it. Agree that you're qualified. You're, those credentials are pretty solid. I, I did, and I also like to sound like a big musical wanker sometimes. Who craps on a yeah. lot about music, which so. is also part of the qualification. <laughs> you know, it's part of the <laughs> curriculum. So, like, for, so it was interesting listening to this selection. I because it was quite a nostalgic journey um, for me to fall back into this scene and and this style of music. Um. And your albums as well, actually. Um, but speaking okay. with respect to wave variations, like it made me remember that this is not music that can be listened to in a chaotic setting, in the chaotic setting of modern life. Um, mm. And by that, I mean like work, kids, mess, phone calls, dinners. Yeah. Um, like this is music made for a quiet space. Um, you need to be in a place physically and mentally of isolation and contemplation because it's like it's emotive music and and it takes you inside yourself uh and i guess i guess on that was i mean given the amazing construction of mattresses that you've got (laughs) in your little recording booth perhaps that might be the perfect space for you to record it's oh listen to listen to this album did you listen to it in your mattress room i listened to it in the hot tub a number of times i didn't actually make it to the mattress room because when when the mattress room is not a mattress room it's also a laundry so it doesn't sort of take me inside myself in a way that a spa would take me inside myself um fair enough do you know what like it, it it conjured up um, this listening to this album. Conjured up one of my favourite movies of the past decade, and which is like the Matthew McConaughey space epic Interstellar. And I don't know if anyone's oh, seen oh, that movie. Oh, yeah, uh, that's amazing. Like, yeah, like so. Mm. In terms of like modern day cinema, um, yeah, it's it. Which you know, it has that movie has lots of space and time, and the soundtrack was very similar to the music on Wave Variations, mm. and like it prompted emotions of like space time isolation and then you start contemplating things like multiple realities and when you live in a modern day world all you generally consider are things like oh you know oh shit i forgot to put petrol in my car or we're out of milk um not like constructs like what a multi-dimensional universe might look like so yeah multiverse yeah yeah nothing else The right kind of ambient electronic of and listen to in the right environment, I think, has yeah. the power to make you contemplate things that are greater than your own reality. So, mm. having said all that, um, I found that I had to find the space and time to listen to it in the right way, and I just had to remember what that was again. And so, when I got myself into that space, I liked it. But before, when I wasn't in that space, I got angry and. I thought it was musical wank. But then luckily, luckily, I got into the space and I was like, this is a really great album. Um, And I really enjoyed it a lot. So thank you, I, for putting me on and sorry for crapping on so much about it. So was you want to give us your score and we'll go around the room? Absolutely. So like you, Eric, I didn't have any particular tracks 
to shout out because as we've all agreed, it was a, it was a piece that flowed from start to finish. Um, if I'm going to go on the Tahina uh, rating scale of dollops out of 10 by our unofficial sponsors, Arik. Al-Nakhil, yes. Al-Nakhil. Um, I'm going to once again sit in the perfect region of seven dollops out of ten for this album. All right. So Was is giving it seven. I might go next. So just picking up on what you said was about sort of astral traveling the multiverse. I yes. um I listened to this a, a, a number of times and at one point when I was making my homemade hummus today, I was I was listening to it and I was I was kind of dishing up this amazing, warm, creamy chickpea, tahina, lemon, garlic, uh, you know, uh, magnificent creation, if I do say so myself. And I was legit astral traveling through the multiverse. I was seeing shapes. I was, um, I was seeing, I was seeing time. I saw a vision of time. Were you riding on a flow of also, tahina, like a wave of tahina? I was, I, I was like, yeah, that's right. I was, I was riding on like a wave of tahina. <laughs> And um, and uh, and it was the perfect soundtrack for that. Um, every now and again, it would get broken by like the sound of my Nutri Bullet going. <laughs> but for the most part, uh, I was definitely riding this um, this amazing kind of yeah ele- electronic wave of goodness. That's great. I actually and, maybe um, you should rate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, look for me, I I'm I'm going to give it an eight. And again, I'm putting it in a context. Um, it's definitely on the go to sleep, like the music I'm going to sleep to, yeah. I guess, for the next few months. And and when an album starts to occupy a particular place in my life, it, it, it really starts to kind of, I guess, deserve a good score from my end. So it, it's not to say it's an eight, it's an eight out of 10 against something else that I've felt is a 10 out of 10. Mm. But for the, for the utility of this record and how important I find it for me right now, um, I'm easily giving it an eight out of ten. Um, an eight eight dollars of tahina out of a possible ten. What about you, I? Yeah, um, I got you know I picked this album means you know I got the biases. Yes. And I love this yeah. album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And have you guys actually listened to um, you know like um old film called Solaris by Andrew Tavkovsky, like a Russian. Mm-hmm. Director and then remake is done by someone, but um, George Clooney was in it. Oh, and then, oh, is it Oh Brother? The Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Is that the one? It's called no, Solaris. So. And Solaris, it's yeah, about Solaris. Space. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And um, what's the other girl who's in it? Um, Sandra Bullock. Gravity. Gravity. Oh, no, Solaris. No, Solaris. Yes, yes. Solaris. It was made by Steven, Soder- Soder- Steven Soderbergh, directed it. I have no, to look yeah, it up yeah, now. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember somewhere else. Yeah, I, I do remember that it's, album. Is, it, uh, that album, it, that is movie. it is it the one where George Clooney starts to spin into yeah. the ether? And he creates yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm, uh, his wife is dead, but somehow yes, there's a... Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's called Gravity. Is it called Gravity? It, it's I called Solaris. Solaris. S-O-L-A-R-I-S. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. Yep, yep, yep. And this album has been just like amazing journey. And I was obsessed mm. for a good one year, not only one month. And it, okay, it yeah, yeah. And this thirty, I mean three six, wave variation is just to me like that. 
I have a journey, and every time I turn on to play, it's like a switch on. And mm. then I, you know, I might be busy, but I actually have a antenna to to turn off and then focus on music because I can really hear it. So I give score using tahini tablespoon or soup spoon, and I give soup spoons. I give ten scoop. Oh, ten scoops of sakina! Oh my god! All right, we've got a ten out of ten from I. Her tahina is going to be tangy, so we're going to have to add some more. We're going to have to add some more chickpeas. Yeah. And a little bit more uh, lemon juice to, to balance the texture. But what we are coming away with is like a full blown vat of hummus. You can you can um <laughs> you can pack it up, you can give it to friends, you can you know, you can use an Uber transport car service to ship it five kilometers away from your house. It's um, five star Tahina. Yeah, five star, exactly. All right. Yeah. Thanks, I. So 10 out of 10 from I. What about you, Was? Uh, I think I already rated it with a seven. You gave I it reckon. a seven? Okay. I'm good. Oh, yeah, and I eight. gave it an eight. That's right. Okay. Jeez, my memory. All right. It's so we've got a seven, tonight. a 10, and an eight. That was Wave Variations by 3 6. So the. The third album we have for you tonight is by the artist Logic and the album is called No Pressure. Uh, Sir Robert Bryson Hall II, known professionally as Logic, is an American rapper, songwriter and record producer, as well as a streamer and author. As a rapper, Logic has released six studio albums and received two Grammy nominations. Logic began his music career in 2010, releasing the mixtape Young, Broken and Famous. He gained popularity with his Young Sinatra mixtape series with the response to its third iteration, Young Sinatra Welcome to Forever in 2013, helping Logic secure a recording contract with Def Jam Recordings. Logic's first two studio albums, Under Pressure 2014 and The Incredible True Story in 15, both peaked within the uh, top five on the US Billboard 200 and were certified gold. It achieved mainstream popularity in 2017 with Everybody. The album charted at number one in the United States and was certified platinum. While its lead single, 1-800-273-8255, reached number three on the US Billboard charts Hot 100 and was a top ten hit internationally. He also began the commercial mixtape series Bobby Tarantino. His fourth album, YSIB, 2018, and the fifth album, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, achieved commercial success with the latter containing the single Homicide which peaked at uh, number five and Logic released a novel titled Supermarket 2019, which was accompanied by a soundtrack of the same name. The book became a New York Times bestseller, but both works received generally mixed negative critical reception. Now, guys, um, this is a, um album that was also produced by the artist No ID, um, who wrote most of the songs and produced it. So I feel like I should give him a bio as well because he was instrumental in this uh, album. Um, so uh, No ID, Ernest Dion Wilson, uh, professionally known as No, no ID, is an American hip-hop and R&B music producer from Chicago. Uh, Wilson is a DJ, music arranger and rapper, having released an album in 1997. Uh, under Relativity Records, he is perhaps best known for his early work with Chicago-based rapper Common. He has since become heavily sought out and a high-profile producer, producing hit singles uh, such as Smile for G-Unit, Out of My System, Let Me Hold You by Bow Wow, Heartless by Kanye West, DOA by Jay-Z. 
Um, he's also served as a musical mentor for artists such as Kanye West and Jay Cole. He's considered the godfather of Chicago hip-hop. Uh, he was once president of West's uh, Good Music Record Company, and although he was resigned from that position, he stayed contracted as an in-house producer. In 2011, Wilson announced he'd formed the supergroup Cocaine 80s alongside Common and several other artists, and he became the executive vice president of A&R for Def Jam Recordings. Um, he subsequently launched his own record label imprint, Artim Recordings, and he's currently the executive vice president at Capital Music Group. The album No Pressure has been released this week, long uh, this week, with the announcement from Logic that this is his last ever album release, and he's retiring from the music industry to become a dad. Sorry, that let's was a long, long. Let's see how long that lasts. That was a long-winded <laughs> introduction. Um, who who would like to? Take I reckon. The ball I reckon that retirement it. might literally be as long as that introduction. That's my. Um, <laughs> so long. He's going to be retired for a long time. He's saying he's going to. He's going he's gonna to be retired for like five minutes. <laughs> well, Eric, I feel like you've got something to say about this album. Maybe you should kick us off. I might start. I might start. Thanks, was and thank you for a wonderful introduction. For all those that are still with us, thank set you the for bar. staying it's, with us. It's set the bar for introductions, I think. You have, you have. You've definitely, <laughs> I reckon you get a, you get $10 of tahina just for that introduction. Um, no, look, it's great to have a bit of backstory and, and to kind of know the kind of, uh, the level by which uh, this artist logic is playing at. Obviously, no ID, uh, great producer, you know, and a great everything kind of a guy if he's done it all. So... That's that's awesome on paper. Let's get to the uh, the actual the game. Um, look, I I got into Logic. I think what was that song that you said one eight hundred the one with yeah. all the numbers. Yep, one eight hundred two seven three eight two double five. Yeah, that song to me uh, that was that came out like a two years ago or something. I think uh, two thousand seventeen, three years ago. Three years ago, I uh, I am obsessed with that song. I think it's one of the coolest beats I've ever heard in in hip hop. It is just brutally good. The flow is amazing. So when Was sent me uh, this Logic record, I was like, "Ah, oh, awesome! I can't wait to get into it." So I had very high expectations, and I must say those expectations were not met uh, this time around. Um, I gave this a real red hot go, um, uh, and it just I just couldn't I just couldn't get into this album. Um, there was, uh, I mean, just to reflect on last week's uh, All Music Is a Good podcast, we spoke a little bit about top forty melody lines, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to Waza talking about uh, how he felt about the song "Hit My Line," which, for the most part, was doing all the things that uh, Waza loves in uh, modern day music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might just leave that one there for you, Was. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of standouts for me, I really like the song "Celebration." Um, I really love the sample. It grabbed me straight away and it was a nice kind of gear change with, you know, tons of vibrato and a party vibe that give, you know, in light of everything going on in the world and things being really, really complicated, you know, not everyone needs to sort of tap into that. And some people can just, you know, remind us of the good days. And I felt that um, the song Celebration definitely did that for me. I really liked that song. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I kind of kept on uh, going through it. Then there was a song called Man I Is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, it kicked off. And and I, 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 to be honest, I'd already kind of made my verdict on this album that I just didn't love it. And uh, Man I Is came on and my first thought was, okay, this 
better be good because he's using you know this the the hook the vibe the sample of uh didn't you know by erica badu which uh i believe is also what's a sample from a, actually an old an old record yeah, which he, i li- ended up listening to i'm going to look that up later he talks about it in that. the song what was that was you're going to talk he, about it no he talks about it in the song about oh, the he sample. does talk right he does talk about it in, in the song but look for me in my ear like i just go straight to erica badu and if you're going to kind of if you're going to invite her into the room, you better make the room beautiful and, you know, light the candles and set the tone, burn some beautiful incense. And unfortunately, logic failed in that regard. And I think Erica would have just stormed out. That's my feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was this horn sample in there as well, which I, I, I couldn't pick. So I'm curious was if you did deep dived into that one, if you remember what the horn sample was. Not off the um, top of my head. It did sound familiar. It did, it did. Uh, maybe we'll check, look that up later. Um, and then I guess the other song that I thought stood out for me was Five Hooks. I thought it was a good beat, but I think in the context of an album, I'd already sort of checked out, so it didn't hit me as hard as it could have. And then uh, finally, A to Z. I thought it was a really cool song. It was a tough beat, and I connected with the beat and the lyrics on that. So that's my take on the record. Who wants to go next? I will go next, if that's okay, I, if you don't mind. Go for it. Are you sure? Okay. Well, um, Arik, it feels really prophetic to me that we're listening to this album only a week after having to dissect what, it, as you said, what it was about modern hip hop that I didn't like. And so you know what I'm going to say now, don't you? Well, I think, I think, I mean, my feeling was this didn't entirely sit exactly in modern hip hop. It had a little bit of an old school vibe. It did. It, it was. So, um, Look, this is an album that I did like. Um, okay, all right, here we go. I think No ID is a master producer, um, and it, yeah, it isn't a modern hip hop, but it's got elements of throwback sample based hip hop, heaps of samples, um, which I love. Um, yep. And but you know, he's fused it with modern production values and and songwriting. I thought so. Like, if you want me to compare Logic Style to Jay Huss, who we reviewed last week, like to me, there's no comparison. Like. What, he's got so much variation in his style, like both rhythmically and melodically. Um, hasn't got the, the nursery rhyme earworm candy of Big Conspiracy, which I hated. Um, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hear that in um, in the first track, "Hit My Line." I mean, it's literally called "Hit that, My Line." And that was, was hitting absolutely. That. I, I, I'll, I'll give you that one because that was literally the most commercial song on the whole album, and that felt like that was designed to go in there for the okay. for the for the top forty. Um, but like his style and flow is it's intense and serious, I think. So for mm. me, like that he that this album is a masterclass in how to rap. That's what I think. Okay. So I think this album sounds like a young hungry artist coming up through the ranks, releasing like his first album, trying to break into the game, not a retirement album. So in my mind, this is a home run to me. It's it's like a knockout punch when you're down for the count. It's a torpedo from 70 metres after the siren to win the game. Oh, it's, it's the Malcolm Blight hip-hop record. That's, that's right. It's the victory lap. It's Kathy Freeman's victory lap after the world record. They're winning the, win the gold medal. So, All right. I, so by the time I got six tracks into this album, like straight up, I thought this is going to go down as one of the great rap albums of all time and a, and a future classic. So we are really on different pages here. We Give are... Me, Really give, on different pages. Give me the vinyl, give me a joint and a glass of red, 
and I'm going to be a happy boy. Okay. okay. So, look, that that's what I think. I've got some tracks that I'll talk about, but maybe I'll throw it over to I, and she can split the difference, or maybe she can hate it, or maybe she will. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's see what I reckon. What do you reckon, I? Well, I didn't know. Like, I don't. I listen to hip hop, but not that much as well. And yep. so I had a. I tried. I listened to it, and I can see there's a beautiful collage of sounds all together in the productions. Yep. And there's a melody line, and then like kind of bass line was really good, and it wasn't heavy beat or underneath that no. I found it easy to listen to. Yeah. Uh, and I can see as the title says you know, no pressure and then it feels like he's celebrating really well. Maybe as you said, mm. you know, this is the last time for him maybe production. So yes. he's celebrating. Yes. And then, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then that bot is a track. Yes, so funny. And I watched the videos with family and he's just really happy, carries on with his baby, changing the nappy. And maybe he doesn't carry that edge, strong edge sometime. But I actually quite liked about smooth or happy. Yes. Maybe mm. some hip hop hardcore fans, they just want punch and energy. It was- it was quite intellectual, I thought. Like that that dad bod yeah. track, the the mm. story behind. If you listen to his rhymes on that song, mm. it's about him being a normal dad, going to Target to buy wet wipes while he's got <laughs> fans trying to get his autograph. He's like, "Oh well, I'm just like, you want me to rap about mundane life, but you know, I'm in Target buying nappies for my kid, and I'm on tour, and the hotels have shitty internet. I really like that song. I thought the lyrical content was good, so I'd be interested to see the film clip. I think it's also, uh, just to quickly interject, because, I mean, this is a podcast and not a video cast, but for the (laughs) listeners that want to know, you know, my co-host was uh, is is the epitome of non-dad bod. I mean, this guy. I, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that uh, you connected so much with that. Was because you you basically you give the big middle finger to the dad bod with your um with your walks around Huntingdale Golf Course and your Monday night is it Sunday night Sunday night basketball. <laughs> All I will say is that I hide it quite well because, you know, you have to. Like, you know, I remember when we were touring in early last decade, like I was the only one with a kid. So you don't talk about it. You just sort of, you know, you go home and then you deal with that. But, like, it's a real thing and it it happens. So, like, I really enjoyed him talking about it. I related to it a lot. Sorry to interrupt. Let's continue. So I just, I did need to just let the listeners know that, that was I didn't like Dad Bod because he has a Dad Bod. On the contrary, he uh, he stands in direct opposition to that song. Can, if you want to continue, yeah. So the, uh, actually, again, watching him having fun, it just put me a smile. Um, mm. And he's you know like rapping is so far. He doesn't have a much kind of pause in between. Just keep mm. on going. But mm. sometimes he tells you the story. Or he tells you, or he rap like telling stories. Then I kind of like that style. Yeah. Um, but sometimes listening hold the track, uh, melody line I don't really remember. Means maybe there's not 
huge melody line because it's all about rap as well. Yeah, so it's more if about I the lyrics. could understand depths of the lyrics, then maybe yes. it would be a different experience as yes. well. But what you're saying is that you couldn't really be bothered because you didn't like it that much. Is that what you're saying? No, no. I tried to listen. So that's why I went YouTube so that I saw yes. maybe I can understand better. And I yes. saw that yeah, that no, book fair enough. and makes me better understanding. Yeah. Connect to it. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Well, mm. I think oh, it's, I mean, just, just on that, I mean, I think it's interesting. I, given your, um, your kind of, you know, your prolific in sort of instrumental based work, um, and ambient music work and particularly around kind of musical composition. It's something that we've sort of picked up a bit on this podcast. We've had our first two guests were vocalists mm. and, um, mm. and, and both me and Waza are kind of inclined to not listen to the lyrics as much as the production. Mm-mm. And, uh, and we spoke a little bit about how, how vocalists in particular, they catch the lyrics much better than people kind of thinking about sound and, mm. uh, and music. So, I'd be interested to kind of get your take. Like when you listen to music, are you kind of um, like, do you connect more kind of instinctively with the music or, or with lyrics? How do, how do you sort of process music? Oh, it, I always listen to the production and then how it's composed and textures and mm. melody than lyrics, yeah. to be honest. Mm. Yeah, well, we, we, we do as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess on that, I might I might give my first score. Um, well, can I, before you do the score, Eric, can I um, ask you about the last song on the album, seeing as you were a connoisseur of last songs? What did right, you think of, what, what what did did you think think that? I wrote something. Let me go to the last song. Hold on. Well, well that last song um, featured an excerpt of an incredible speech that was obviously recorded in the first half of the last century. And, like, did you do you remember in the speech the narrator talks about the importance of standing up to racism and not accepting discrimination as a way of life and that we need to evolve as a race and a nation to overcome these flaws and only then will we truly see the human race evolve like into its full potential. And like sadly, these words are equally relevant today as it was then and I just thought it was mm. a really powerful track and I'm surprised that you weren't... Um, I wasn't all over that. Yeah, well, look, you'd, you'd I, signed out, hadn't you? You just checked out before you got to the last track. I'm, I'm, no, I'm I did. That. No, I, I, I mean, I did. I did listen to it. I didn't listen to the last track with particularly open ears. Mm. Um, and I'm I, hearing and, that. <laughs> okay. I'm feeling that. All right, here we go. Was this throwing down? Um, I, look, I didn't listen to it with particularly open ears. I think for me, I had made my call, and I was sort of. I was on the way out. I think I'd, I'll be honest. I was in the kit. I, w- I was in the kitchen eating hummus, astral <laughs> traveling again, and I and I missed all of that. I I was seeing, I was seeing, um, yeah, just you know, waves of, <laughs> waves of freshly ground chickpeas at that point. So stop, um, stop digressing. I, you know, I do apologise to our regular listeners who expect me to, uh, to kind of uh, give you the the full deal on the on the final track. So. No, it was I didn't I didn't get there, but but I'm glad that you did raise it because it does sound like it was an incredibly profound moment in the record. It really was. <laughs> so, Eric, I think let's go ahead and give me your score on this album, please. I can't wait. To I hear will. It. Okay, I score this uh, three tablespoons of tahina in my uh, in my hummus. Um, I I it just didn't grab me. I I didn't get there. I I feel. In light of even even when you talk about that kind of that last track being this kind of statement, 
um, the, the entire body of work didn't feel like we were moving in that direction to get to that point. It felt far more introspective and far more I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm in the club, I'm on the stage kind of vibe. And and in hip-hop for me right now, that that uh, that that uh, makes me sort of tune out. So three uh, three tablespoons of hummus. So three tablespoons of tahina for me. That's a, that's a shit hummus. It's not great. <laughs> I come on. What have you? What do you think? Okay, I will score of six of tahina spoon, and I didn't yes. understand the lyrics. Well, I'm sorry. However, I like the collage of sounds come with in hip hop, so yes. I put six. Well, I think All you right. liked it because realistically, that was a masterclass of production, sample based production. I thought. So the, the collage was, as you said, it was impeccable. So, Arik, they said it would never happen. Oh, my God. It's happening? It's happening. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, ring the alarm. Waza is about to break his own rules. Go ahead, Waza. This album is fucking awesome. It is unbelievable. It's a certified classic and I, I would, you know, my favourite rap album is Illmatic um, by Nas. This is going up onto the top shelf. And I'm going to give this wow. 10 dollops of tahina out of 10. 10 dollops awesome. of tahina out of 10. So you, wow. All right. So you and I are going to be heading over to the, um, the local greengrocer to pick up some more... <laughs> Uh, some more chickpeas to to continue making your homemade hummus because let's be honest those 400 gram chickpea cans when you've got ten dollars of tahina that's not going to cut cut the uh, cut the mustard so to speak so um, I look forward to you guys socially distancing at the <laughs> local grocer whilst you pick up extra chickpeas for your 10 out of 10 for logic and 10 out of 10 for uh, three six so that gets us to 10 from was. Was it seven, six or seven? I six, six, and and a three for me. That was Logic's record. What was the name of that again? Logic? Oh come on! The, this is Logic's classic record. No pressure. So the last album we have for you this evening is Al Michaels' Affair Adult Themes. Um, Leon Michael's name first appeared on a record when he was 16. That release was Thunder Chicken and the group was his high school band, the Mighty Imperials. Eric, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We talked that, we actually talked about that in week one. Um, I didn't know Leon Michaels yeah. was in that band. Do we know that? Or were we talking about someone else in that band? No, I think we're talking about the same guy. Oh, he's yeah, a, he's yeah. that, I think they probably all went to pro. Probably, I reckon they all went to high school together. Holmes Steinweiss, Tom Brennick, yeah. Leon Michaels. Yep. So um, that record was essentially a homage to the meters. Um, uh, While finishing Thunder Chicken, Michael's been touring and recording with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, which he did for the uh, next seven years. During that time, he was also recording songs in a makeshift home studio and preparing for what would be his first full-length record, Sounding Out the City. And the first release under the name El Michael's Affair. In 2004, when Sounding Out the City was recorded, Michael's obsession with the Euro Library, American Soul, and early rock steady crept its way into the songwriting and recording aesthetic. The outcome was something Michael's appropriately dubbed Cinematic Soul. 
The album was to be the first release on Truth and Soul Records, a new label Michaels co-founded. The low-fi, warm recording aesthetic and bottom-heavy production alongside the immediate success of a Michaels Affairs debut album release led to playing a show with Raekwon of Wu-Tang Clan fame. The show went over so well it led to a tour with Al Michaels backing multiple members of the Wu-Tang Clan. It was these shows that ended up laying the groundwork for the release of Al Michaels Affairs' second full-length album, Enter the 37th Chamber, which eventually introduced them to a worldwide audience. While simultaneously running a label, playing, touring, and co-producing other artists' music, Michaels helped found the Menahan Street Band, co-produced Aloe Black's sophomore smash, Good Things, and received a writer credit on a Dell's Grammy-nominated album, 19, which I didn't know. Wow. Shortly thereafter, uh, Michaels found himself on tour with the Black Keys after being cold-called yes. by Orbach and asked to join them on the road. It turned out that Orbach was a big fan of the sound and approach of Lee Field's record, of the Lee Field's record, My World, which Michaels produced. Um, oh, when Orbach was, yeah, when Orbach was tapped to make Dr. John's critically acclaimed album Lockdown and Lana Del Rey's LP Ultraviolence, Michaels was brought along to play and add his signature sound. That led to being included in... Uh, the touring for Batch's psych rock project, The Arcs, which features Michaels as a musician and co-producer. 2016, Michaels co-founded Big Crown Records, uh, the second record label Michaels has helped build from the ground up. And since then, he has produced uh, the majority of the label's albums um, with artists like Lee Fields, Lady Ray, Brain Story, Paul and the Tall Trees. And Michaels has also produced records for Beyonce and Jay-Z side project, The Carters. Man, what? A biography. And what Adult an intro. The- yeah, it's crazy. Adult Themes is the second album of original material under the L. Michaels Affair moniker. Michaels calls the album the soundtrack to an imaginary movie. Now, do- before we get into it, and I throw to I, do- is it L. Michaels or L. Michelle? Look, I'm going to go with L. Michaels. Um, however, you know, I'm sure the, uh, I'm sure we'll be torn to pieces on Twitter. This might be our um, last episode. This might be our last podcast. We might join Logic in some early retirement. <laughs> but we'd be happy because we'd be like, we'd be we've just yeah, rid of the uh, masterpiece. Yeah. We're finishing on on an up. Um, anyway. Yeah, anyway. We'll, we'll throw to I and then was I'm very curious uh, to talk to you a little bit about film soundtracks uh, in a minute. So I, why don't you give us uh, your uh, your take on this record? Um, when I listened to this tr- album, instantly I loved it. I loved how cinematic sounds come mm. through and all the familiar melody line mm. and give us comfort and kind of catchy feeling as well. So you want to go back to the track to listen again and what kind of melody it was to just, you know, to listen to the melody lines. And Absolutely. Yeah, and then I think all the way everything was constructed really well with swords and carefully mixed as well mm-hmm. and I love that sounds in the album there's a blast instrument kind of waka waka guitar lines and yeah. but it's not too crazy it's just really smooth as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. beats was perfect for me and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious I mean I know it's it's been been a bit of a thing on this podcast. We're actually not allowed to play the music that um, 
that we review. Mm. And mean was mean was uh, early on. We took it to our board of directors, um, who you know oversee <laughs> this operation. It's a big company that basically look after this podcast. Absolutely. Lots of moving parts. Lots of people to clear things with. Takes a long and, time to get um, answers sometimes. What was that? Was takes a long time to get answers back from the directors. Long board time, long time to get answers back from our board of directors. <laughs> but uh, one one of the things that has been uh, sort of you know uh, something that we've been clashing on a little bit is whether I am allowed to sing parts of the record <laughs> and was a was a hates it when I do it. But I'm going to do it now because I think you you tapped on a part of a melody thing <laughs> and I found this there, like obviously the record's called Adult Themes right <laughs> and there's that theme that goes. And you know, I is that what you're talking about in terms of that melodic hook? Yeah, and and the mid range is a lot better for you too, Eric. I think rather than the high parts, so I will accept that. And when I sing that back to you, I do I give you the same feeling as when you listen to the record? Oh, that was our ladies' sounds. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's, that's true. true. That's true. That's true. Yes. I probably need to wait. And then that kind of I think she's answered your question. Like how it was sing was very sweet, very adult theme. Exactly this, you know, title is about as well. She's answered that exactly the way you would want someone to answer it without saying that it was crap. So I think <laughs> yeah, just thanks, you should I, just accept that. I right? might, we might we might invite you to the next um, meeting with our with our board of directors to uh, to well and truly uh, put the final nail in the coffin of me sitting on this podcast. So thank you for your your polite answer. What else did you like about it? I um, I love the you know like more. You know, everyone loves Morocconi soundtrack. That yes. romanticism, mm. sexy kind of tones. And this husband got the similar tones for me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And cinematic is when you talk about cinema, cinematic music. Often I found this music uh, quite visual. So I believe... Everyone have an individual own creation of visual they can see from this album. Does it make sense to you? Yes, absolutely. Well, that's that's what he was trying to create. Mm. Like he he said, he was trying to create the soundtrack to an imaginary movie. Yeah. So I might I might put you on the spot here, I if that's okay. Mm. Um, so if you're listening to that to that song, mm. a few weeks ago was a we reviewed an album. I'm just trying Crumb. to remember Holy what Hive it was or called. Holy Hive? Holy Hive. Uh, and Waza started to talk about the film that he was directing in his mind. <laughs> for no, that wasn't that well, one. That was another whilst one. He, well, was what that, was that one? Wasn't that the one, the French film that I talked about? The was French that, film. So oh, that wasn't that Waza, Waza took us down this uh, down a pretty deep rabbit hole of a, of a... He basically wrote, directed and filmed... A, f- a French film about an old, uh, like uh, a, a woman living on a farm um, and uh, who watched an old man go about his business. I think that was basically the narrative yes. of the film. Yes. Anyways, I digress. What I'm curious to know is, I if, if it's not putting you too much on the spot, is when you hear this album, what, what film? Like if you were writing mm. and directing a film to this soundtrack, what would um, the film be? 
there's a uh, two ladies with the you know rose and but they are kind of I don't know I can see the high heel style of 30s 1930 clothes and mm-hmm. um, in European yep. style mm-hmm. I don't know the story but it's more <laughs> just go with it. Just yeah, you know, just make you, this is a safe space. You can write. You can write the story right here. You've just said that you've got, loved the album. It's speaking to you. So we've got, it, we've, got we've got two it's women in like high romance, heels, but there's in, someone in the with 30s. the adultery. That kind of things. Oh, the adultery! Okay. Ooh, it's All right, so there's something a little bit. There's something a little bit. Uh, there's sort of like an undertow yeah, of yeah. uneasiness going on. And I think it on. has got the sounds for me. It's not all totally pleasant mm-hmm. or not totally happy. There's always a reminder of something unknown, intriguing and unknown. Mm. Yeah, I hear that. So with that was you obviously I set up the um set up the uh the character uh <laughs> palette. We've got two women in high heels, it's nineteen thirties, someone's having an affair. Yeah. Go with it. What well, happens next? Well, there's obviously some type of drug heist that's gone wrong, I would say. Mm-hmm. Very wrong. And um, that maybe is like a massacre. <laughs> it's it's Ooh, like it's a, it's a 1930s massacre. It's pre-World War II, obviously. It's shot in the 30s and it's little little known about. Um, and it was maybe some like uh, whatever the precursor to the Russian mafia is got involved and... Everything went south, and this is the soundtrack to everything going south. Okay, all right, thanks, guys. I look forward to um, to you guys picking this one up offline and continuing <laughs> to write the script for this film. Um, I might I might take the next part of this review, and then uh, I'll throw it was for closing comments. Um, I'm a huge fan of the L. Michaels affair. I got into them through the end of the thirty six chamber sort of re-record of the samples and I have more or less followed them obsessively since then. Um, I agree with you both. It had a real amazing cinematic quality. I didn't hear so much um, a Russian mafia drug heist that ends in a 1930s type massacre was. I was I was kind of more Audrey Hepburn. I felt like I was in the um, I felt like I was in the Swiss Alps and I was having some dry martini waiting for a guy named Frank in the uh, in the hotel lobby. And Frank showed up and Frank was kind of flustered. And um and but 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 there was something a little bit off with Frank. So I do agree that Frank yeah. Something's um, off. something was definitely off with Frank. And perhaps uh, Audrey Hepburn put too much trust in Frank in that first sort of sequence. And then as it turns out, Frank is, you know, the villain of the film. So I, I, I meet you. I meet you there. I, it didn't end in a massacre for me. It ended more. In, it, it ended more like a cold, like a cold knife. Um, okay. You know, okay. yep. a cold around knife the, around the, the back by the hero. Okay, around the back of the uh, around the back of the bar after the yeah, martinis. The back of the chateau in the Swiss Alps. No one heard it. So did it really no, happen? That's right. Exactly. Um, for me, my favourite songs are. Look, obviously, it kicks off with that with uh, with on enfants, and then uh, and it, we we sort of learn that deep that first musical theme of the one that I sung earlier, yep. and then no, 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 adult no, no, theme no. number one, 
just takes that f- that first theme and what started as something that felt really comfortable and kind of okay what's going on here turned into something incredibly dark yeah. on that first uh on the, on that song adult theme number 1 and i absolutely loved that second favorite track in you know no surprise adult theme number 2 um i loved it, it kind of gave me sort of like a like a saloon vibe i loved the out of tune piano again so cinematic and so ominous um, and then there were the other ones that I really dug was Hips. I felt like this one, <clears throat> that was sort of like it, the L. Michaels affair sort of hitting their stride and, and just sort of playing out a little bit and doing the thing that they do so well that we've heard on so many of their releases. Yes. And then finally, the adult theme number three was another standout for me. And this one sort so of felt like the, lo- the love child between like a club in Addis Ababa and a silent film at the turn of the century. And I just thought, how the hell do you even do that? And and I think for them to achieve that kind of um, sort of imagery is, is pretty remarkable. Um, I love the record. So I might throw to you, Was. Uh, okay. So like you, like my, my relationship with um, Mel Michaels Affair is pretty scattered. Um, like a lot of people, I went deep on Enter the 37th Chamber, I think it is, not 36th 37th. Chamber. 37th. Okay, yep. The chamber, which, and that's nearly eight years ago. Um, but you invariably hear Leon's name across the soul scene, you know, as a label boss and producer. So he's around and you know he's around and you generally know if he's involved in the project, um, you know, the music and the production reflects a more 70s retro soul vibe. And, right. I, and I mean that in a good way. Um, uh he always sent, tends to um, mine the good parts of that that genre, and you know he looks forward while looking back. So, like when you suggested, Eric, that we look at this album this week, I was generally really excited um, to to get into it. So, like the first two tracks, like again, suggested that really psych soul affair, much along the lines as we talked about of that Holly Hive album um, we looked at back in Ep One or Two. Um, you know, it had again, it had that shades of the Beach Boy Wrecking Crew late '60s orchestration, and and the fact that this is an instrumental album means that there's a very cinematic feel going on with lots of these pieces. And again, like um, the Krungbin album we looked at a few weeks back, it's, I, I found it had that Tarantino-esque vibe. And you know, you said Morricone, and you know, obviously the Morricone vibes as well. So you've said. Um, I that you thought it was a 30s movie. Ari's pitched, RX pitched it in the 50s. I'm pitching it in the 70s, to be All honest. Right. Hence why I just feel it's a bit off kilter. They've got that sort of, you know, LSD, uh, something's not right. But some, I think we yeah. all agree, something's not right. Um, something's definitely not right. So, um, you know, so again, you know, he's achieved his goal of... of um, um, writing music for an imaginary film and and it hits the spot so like if if cinematic retro soul is your bag this is going to be right up your alley and so i know this is right up your alley Eric, because this is 100 percent what you love you love this stuff it is so absolutely. like re- reviewing it as a cohesive piece i i actually found it difficult to find an entry point um it was all quite library-esque and not always in a good way and to be to be honest Eric, i think that the Krungbin album, like, has moved the bar for where this music is. Um, it's moved it up a couple levels, and that's where, for me, that's where it is now. And I know you want to rebut that statement, so I'm going to open the floor for you to rebut that. 
Okay. Well, look. I mean, I, I I get what you're I get what you're saying. Maybe it's one of those the the moment where the uh the student becomes the master because I guess those Krungaman crew they would have one hundred percent come up yes. listening to bands like the Menahan Street Band, El Marcus Affair. Don't you yep. reckon? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And they've and they've they've stepped on the shoulders of those guys. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, I, I pay what you're saying. Um, I, I, mean, I feel I, like I, this has been done. I feel like I feel like. Um, maybe it's time to give this a break for a little bit, um, because I you feel like blood, you 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 want to blood the kids basically. I want to let the kids off the leash because they've proved that they um, know what they're doing and yep. let them let them run free. All right, okay, I I, I I pay that. That's a that's a legit comment. Um, for, so my favorite tracks were like you. I really liked um hips. Um, and I thought actually that border a lot of much needed relief to the sort of sure. sinisterism and the heaviness of this album. Um, and I also really liked the track Rubik's. Um, it had a bit of a 70s 007 vibe, you know, and they fused it with um, like a kick and hip hop break. And I thought that was the closest they came to touching on the Wu-Tang stuff that they'd done many years back. So I really liked that track. But overall, I found it a bit jaded and I didn't, I, like I know exactly what they're trying to do, and it did that. But did I think it was a great interpretation of, you know, a cinematic piece, a cinematic score? Not really. Um, I thought they could have done better. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we might uh, throw to the floor and get some scores. Um, I might go first. Um, look for me. I'm. I'm again. I, you mentioned before that, you know, with Wave Variations 3.6, you're biased, so you're going to come at it with, you know, open ears and most likely just love it already. So that's where I entered with um, with El Michael's Affair. I just think they can do no wrong. For me, <laughs> it just goes on the list of El Michael's Affair's records that I love and I will just put them on irrespective of whether that album is like a standout compared to the other one. I just love what they do. And uh, it just gets an eight from me. Eight dollops of tequila in my mm. um, homemade hummus. Okay. Well, I. Um, what do you think? Give us a score. How many dollops? Well, out of when 10? I first listened to it, I searched about this, you know, records and reviews as well. And then I'll just keep listening every day now. So actually, I did enjoy. So I give um, eight of. Sp- Spoon, yeah. Wow, wow. Eight spoons. All I right. like. So when I was sitting here, like sort of paying out on this album a little bit, I'm looking at I in my Zoom camera, and she's nodding along, like she's agreeing with me, <laughs> with like, all my comments. And then she says, "I'm giving you an eight." Well, I'm, I'm just like, like you know, listening to <laughs> your opinion, from? and just going like this. Okay, that's what your opinion. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes, yes, he's full of shit. I get it. Okay, nodding your head up and down. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, I got it. I understand. Okay, so I'm going to give my um, my rating on the unofficial Tahina dollop scale. Look, I've got a number written down here, and I think I'm going to go down the Niasha track of saying the number and then regrading it down. So I've written down five dollops out of ten, but I actually think I'm going to change that to four and a half dollops of tahina out of a potential 10 dollops which we've both all agreed that 10 dollops wouldn't be good so four and a half is probably quite good 
All right. So we've got a four and a half. We've got an eight from I and an eight from me. That's a pretty good mix to uh, to make your homemade hummus, which is probably a good note to say goodbye to our listeners today. I, once again, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. We hope uh, you uh, you enjoyed I guess, you know, mining four new records this week and uh, having a bit of a chat. Thank you so much. It has been really fun and it's really nice to meet you guys. Uh, it's, great to, it's great to have you here. So to finish off, what we'll do is we'd just like to thank once again the unofficial podcast sponsor, Al Nakil Tahina Extra. You can find them via their wholesaler, MB Foods, at 7 Stroke 79 Mafra Street, Coolaroo in Melbourne, Victoria. Waza, thank you again for uh, for allowing me to be the goose to your maverick. Well, I prefer the Ron Weasley to my Harry Potter, but the goose to the, my maverick, that works for me. Let's also say congratula- congratulations once again to Tom Selleck for joining our Instagram family this week. Arik, always a pleasure. Um, can't wait to do it again next week. We'll see you next week. We'll be having Ryan Munro coming through from the Cat Empire and a whole lot of other amazing bands to review four records released in 2020. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.